Hello, listeners of the ASI podcast in the new year, 2017. My name is Russ Shaw. This is episode 20, season 5, the first episode of 2017, the new year. Welcome. But I'm going to break, I'm going to break my, going to break my rusty cage and run. I'm going to break, I'm going to break my, going to break my rusty cage and run. Today on the podcast, some scientific research in the realm of happiness. And what does that have to do with breaking compulsive behaviors, addictive behaviors? Uh, hopefully I can tie the two together because it's some fascinating science of happiness today on the podcast. It is 2017. It's a brand new freaking year. Can you feel it? Can you, does it smells, it feels, it's, it's like electric, isn't it? A little bit for some of you. Come on. Um, what are we on day four of the new year as this is being uploaded? Uh, for some of you who struggle with sexually compulsive behavior, sex addiction, porn addiction, whatever you want to label it, the things that lead to a chronic unhappiness. Um, how's it going so far on week one, entering week two? of the turning of the calendar. All right. Some of you are like, I'm doing good, right? Thumbs up. Got it going on. Uh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like uh, I can do this. Right. And then some of you are like, <gasps> like already, already freaking relapsed Russ. I'm already, you know, uh, what do I, do I give up? You know, here's the thing. And here's how I feel about new year's resolutions. And I've talked about this in the past. There's one great thing about it. And I think that the new year, it, seems to disrupt this sense of meaninglessness, right? This feeling of that can the days just kind of blur together after a while and then the calendar hits January 1st and we're like, it's a brand new year. But the truth is, grace is brand new every single morning, right? Every single day is a brand new start, Yes, the new year it has the it brings those feelings up though, right? That that to today could be a a brand new start of a brand new life, and we get jazzed about that. But we have to do reminds me of a step four in the twelve step movement, right? This personal moral inventory, but but this is even deeper than that. Hopefully, some work on the inside, some roots first work which is the uh, graphic I'm trying to use on this here podcast. Roots first approach to this in 2017. And yes, I'm still continuing with the season five attitude, the emotional energy of realizing going into and continuing the theme of compulsion into creativity. Could we take that that energy, which really is this compulsive energy, it is emotional, it's spiritual energy even, and turn it into creativity, turn it into receiving rather than like hoarding, you know, that, that feeling. And as usual, I'd like to set the mood with a little bumper music to help Help us see, maybe even feel 
if my it changed my behavior today, if I changed my life today, what would the future look like? You know, we get that in. It's like today's brand new day. Feeling like the bad I did last year, the bad habits, the sins of the past, right? Those can stay in the past. That attitude that we all have in the new year, maybe we could springboard off of some of that, right? This is from the album Black is the New Black. It's called Van Gogh Sun Everclear. I wish I was better. Bumper there from Van Gogh Sun Everclear. I love that band. That album came out in 2015. I'm surprised it didn't get more airplay because it's such a such a good album. Anyway, um, cognitive science is something I've been fascinated with. Uh, I bring a little theology, a little spirit, and a little psychology in the mix, and kicking off this year with. A couple of things. Number one was breaking the lazy habit of existential meaninglessness. Um, is that a habitual attitude? I think it's, for me, it's easy to fall into that. It, it's it's lazy easy, right? It's just a comfortable, warm, oh, don't try and actually move your story forward, Russ. It just feels so, there's... You have to expend so much energy and you get disappointed when things don't work out, right? And then, you know, uh, there's all these excuses that can run through my head, the self-talk that, and we all have it, right? Like the person that you tend to talk to the most, and I've said this a lot on this podcast, but it's very true. The person that we tend to interact with and talk with the most is ourselves, and sometimes if we don't have healthy people in our lives, right, it breaks down our psychological immune system. You know, we can get infectious thoughts in there where we spend too much time alone. There's some research that actually says that spending too much time in isolation can actually make you sick uh, to the degree of like smoking cigarettes is bad for you. Um, isolation and continuing to break down our, our emotional, psychological immune system just as bad as smoking or obese, uh, smoking or obesity even. Uh, the source on that is Harvard Medical School. I actually posted the article, if you want to check it out, on uh, my Facebook page, which is uh, Heart, Mind, Love, Sex, and Affection. You can link to that through ASI247.org, or you can just find it on Facebook. Heart, Mind, Love, Sex, and Affection is the name of the page, uh, as well as... Some other information from this episode I'll put on there as well. And maybe that could be another New Year's resolution for a lot of us as well, is making new friends, uh, widening our social networks, um, 
There's an old corny saying, and it's cheesy, but it's very true. The best vitamin that you should take for making new friends, B1, right? Like sometimes we expect people to, you know, serve us or uh, call us or right invite us or whatever. And, and sometimes we need to do the extra work of being a friend, right? rather than expecting our friends to be more friendly. Be a friend. I'm talking to myself when I say that. I'm sort of a crappy friend. I'm I'm working on that. I think I'm better than I was, but... And see there, I've gone and wandered off topic. But back to the topic. Uh, happiness research. I saw a TED Talk uh, by a guy. The TED Radio Network is a great show on NPR. If you ever check that out, if you like TED Talks, they go in, they interview some of the speakers and have them expound on some of the things they talked about. A TED Talk is like a 10, 20 minute talk on a certain subject or maybe a book the person's written or an area of study or an experience they've gone through. It's I like them. I do. I'm a, I'm a, a, a TED Talk consumer. Uh, I, I was even asked, uh, my friend Jim Henderson, who was on the podcast, asked me to uh, send in some stuff to be a part of a TED Talk in Everett, TEDx Talk, but uh, I guess they passed me over. So, <laughs> But still, it was pretty cool to be able to, uh, hey, here's what I'd like to talk about. Uh, anyway, back to, back, to, back to the topic, Russ. Come on. Uh, <laughs> happiness research. A guy named Matt Killingsworth. Uh, did a TED talk on happiness research and what he found with a little website that he started uh, called trackyourhappiness.org. There's actually an app for it. See, when it comes to doing research on, you know, like social stuff, there's lots of social science experiments that people do, but it's really difficult to do one on happiness, right? How do, we want to know why, what makes people feel happy. So we're going we're gonna to do some kind of, and you can't just sit someone in a room and expect them to be happy, right? Like it's a difficult thing to gain research for. But this guy found a brilliant way of using an app to track people's emotional state throughout the day. And again, it's uh, trackyourhappiness.org if you'd like to check it out. Uh, Around 35,000 people have downloaded the app and have done this uh, to give research to this, you know, social experiment known as uh, what makes us happy or not happy in life. Um, Basically what happens is you download the app and it asks you, Throughout the day, it throws questions at you, right? Like you, all of a sudden, you're sitting on the bus, you're commuting to work, whatever's going on, and uh, a question comes up or a series of questions, and it and it's going to ask you how you're feeling. So it's sort of like having a therapist text message you throughout the day. There goes my, uh, I just got an email. Anyway, I'm holding my phone as I'm reading these questions because some of the questions that were are asked on this app are pretty fascinating. Uh, number one, how do you feel right now on a sliding scale between uh, one being very bad and ten being ecstatic, right? Very good. Uh, the, that's one of the questions. There are several questions. Um, I don't know if it asks you all these questions at the same time, but um, do you uh, – another question it'll ask is, 
do you have to do what you're doing right now, right? Do you have to do it? That's one of the questions it asks. That's a pretty fascinating question, right? Like if you're at work, for example, and you're on a break or something and you get this message and yes, I do. I have to do what I'm doing right now or commuting. You know, if you're sitting on the bus commuting to work, yeah, I have to be doing that. So that's one of those, one of those questions. Um, sleep, it'll ask you about sleep. Um, the last time you ate or the last time you exercised, like all of these things are, have something to do with our emotional state, right? So those are some of the questions. Um, and here's, here's the two, the, the two questions that I found interesting when it comes to mining happiness, uh, are you doing what you want to be doing right now, right? And that's a, a fascinating question. Do you want to be doing what you're doing right now? And he went into some mind-wandering questions. And this is where I started thinking about my own uh, recovery from sexual addiction and some of the stuff I talk about on the show, it's being aware of your thought life, being aware of, not that fantasies are bad, right? That's not what I'm saying. But if you're continually pulled back into compulsive behavior, um, fear, for example, fear and I believe the kind of compulsive addictive lust are very tightly connected. And when we start to think about, like something triggers your mind and you start to think about these these thoughts right or an old porno movie pops into your head and and if you feed that thought um i did the analogy of you know like a an arrow hitting a a bunch of hay or you know you're standing in a barn and an arrow with a fiery dart on the end hits the hay and it starts to spread right our minds are kind of like that like we can feed the fire we can put it out um but what what emotionally gets in there when we let our minds wander. And this is some of the research that he found. And I think that that's part of it. Like if we're just bored or, you know, we don't like what we're doing at the current moment. I think that's one of those triggery times or tempting times that can pull us back into repeating the behavior. So two of the questions that he asks in the mind-wandering questions are this. um, Are you thinking of what you're doing right now? All right. That was one of them. If you're thinking on what you're doing right now, like, for example, driving to work, if you're sitting in traffic, like that's the one thing they pulled people to ask them, like, what do you really dislike doing? A lot of people really, really dislike sitting in bumper to bumper traffic, including myself. Actually, I listen to lectures a lot and podcasts. So when I started getting into lecture series on iTunes, I started listening to, you know, cognitive science at Berkeley and, and, uh, social uh, psychology. And I started looking forward to traffic a little bit, at least on my way to work. As long as I wasn't late for work or late for a client, um, I was cool with sitting in traffic because I had all this, this new information that I could you know, listen to and my guy, I don't know. I'm weird. Maybe I geek out on that stuff, but, um, anyway, another mind wandering. So here's the mind wandering questions. Um, are you thinking of what you are doing right now? And then it'll do like a multiple choice. A I'm focused on my task or B yes, I'm thinking of something else. Uh, 
And it's funny, the, the, the cynic philosopher in me will say, well, of course you're thinking of something else. You're doing a freaking iPhone <laughs> test on your app that just interrupted your day. Uh, I don't know. That's it's funny. I guess pre, right, before you got the little message from the app asking you, right, are you thinking of what you're doing right now? Like if you were focused on your task, and, ah, okay, stop. I'll do this a little social experiment. I'll get back to work. Like, is that your mindset or were you actually daydreaming or or thinking about tits, right? Guys, you know, you, you feel me? Sometimes I think in those wandering times, we can be open to like, you know, right, drinking things in with our eyes for long periods of time, you know, and letting our thoughts wander and eventually like that analogy with the fire hitting, you know, the spreading of the, that's, that's what can happen because, you know, that's the thing about, Oh, well, just don't look at that anymore. Just don't stop doing that. You're going to stop today. Really. You have to get to the roots and the roots are where what we're feeling, the emotional habits that we go through from day to day. And that's what I really liked about this experiment is it's, it's, talking about those, right? It's going into that place where we're just going throughout our day and where do those thoughts enter in? Those wandering thoughts, right? I'm going to play you a little clip from his talk, which you can look up at uh, ted.com, search for Matt Killingsworth, or you can go to the ASI247.org, go to the Facebook page, uh, HeartMind love, sex, and affection, and it's posted there. Um, there's a lot of visuals to it, some graphs and stuff like that that he shows, so it's helpful to, to, to see it. And this is just a clip. It's a piece of the whole TED Talk that, again, can be found there at TED.com. And here it is, some of what I like to call intentional, purposeful audio. What I'd like to do with the rest of my time with you today is talk a little bit about one of the areas that we've been investigating, and that's mind-wandering. As human beings, we have this unique ability to have our minds stray away from the present. This guy is sitting here working on his computer, and yet he could be thinking about the vacation he had last month, wondering what he's going to have for dinner. Maybe he's worried that he's going bald. <laughs> this ability to focus our attention on something other than the present is really amazing. It allows us to learn and plan and reason in ways that no other species of animal can. And yet, it's not clear what the relationship is between our use of this ability and our happiness. You've probably heard people suggest that you should stay focused on the present. Be here now, you've probably heard a hundred times. Maybe to really be happy, we need to stay completely immersed and focused on our experience in the moment. Maybe these people are right, maybe mind-wandering is a bad thing. On the other hand, when our minds wander, they're unconstrained. We can't change the physical reality in front of us, but we can go anywhere in our minds. Since we know people want to be happy, maybe when our minds wander, they're going to someplace happier than the place that they're leaving. It would make a lot of sense. In other words, maybe the pleasures of the mind allow us to increase our happiness with mind wandering. Well, since I'm a scientist, I'd like to try to resolve this debate with some data. And in particular, I'd like to present some data to you from three questions that I ask with Track Your Happiness. Remember, this is from sort of moment-to-moment -moment experience in people's real lives. The three questions. The first one is a happiness question. How do you feel? on a scale ranging from very bad to very good. Second, an activity question. What are you doing on a list of 22 different activities, including things like eating and working and watching TV? 
And finally, a mind-wandering question. Are you thinking about something other than what you're currently doing? People could say no. In other words, I'm focused only on my task. Or, yes, I am thinking about something else, and the topic of those thoughts are pleasant, neutral, or unpleasant. Any of those yes responses are what we called mind-wandering. So what did we find? This graph shows happiness on the vertical axis, and you can see that bar there representing how happy people are when they're focused on the present, when they're not mind-wandering. As it turns out, people are substantially less happy when their minds are wandering than when they're not. Now, you might look at this result and say, okay, sure, on average, people are less happy when they're mind-wandering, but surely, when their minds are straying away from something that wasn't very enjoyable to begin with, at least then, mind-wandering should be doing something good for us. Nope. As it turns out, people are less happy when they're mind-wandering, no matter what they're doing. For example, people don't really like commuting to work very much. It's one of their least enjoyable activities. And yet, they are substantially happier when they're focused only on their commute than when their mind is going off to something else. It's amazing. So how could this be happening? I think part of the reason, a big part of the reason, is that when our minds wander, we often think about unpleasant things. And they are enormously less happy when they do that. Our worries, our anxieties, our regrets. And yet, even when people are thinking about something neutral, they're still considerably less happy than when they're not mind-wandering at all. Even when they're thinking about something they would describe as pleasant, they're actually just slightly less happy than when they aren't mind-wandering. If mind-wandering were a slot machine, it would be like having the chance to lose $50, $20, or $1, right? You'd never want to play. So I've been talking about this, suggesting perhaps that mind-wandering causes unhappiness. But all I've really shown you is that these two things are correlated. It's possible that's the case, but it might also be the case that when people are unhappy, then they mind-wander. Maybe that's what's really going on. How could we ever disentangle these two possibilities? Well, one fact that we can take advantage of, I think a fact you'll all agree is true, is that time goes forward, not backward, right? The cause has to come before the effect. We're lucky in this data, we have many responses from each person. And so we can look and see, does mind-wandering tend to precede unhappiness, or does unhappiness tend to precede mind-wandering, to get some insight into the causal direction? As it turns out, there is a strong relationship between mind-wandering now and being unhappy a short time later, consistent with the idea that mind-wandering is causing people to be unhappy. In contrast, there's no relationship between being unhappy now and mind-wandering a short time later. In other words, mind-wandering very likely seems to be an actual cause and not merely a consequence of unhappiness. A few minutes ago, I likened mind-wandering to a slot machine you'd never want to play. Well, how often do people's minds wander? 47% of the time, people are thinking about something other than what they're currently doing. How does that depend on what people are doing? This shows the rate of mind-wandering across 22 activities, ranging from a high of 65%, when people are taking a shower, brushing their teeth, to 50% when they're working, to 40% when they're exercising, all the way down to this one short bar on the right that I think some of you are probably laughing at, 10% of the time people's minds are wandering when they're having sex. <laughs> But there's something I think that's quite interesting in this graph, and that is Basically, with one exception, no matter what people are doing, they're mind-wandering at least 30% of the time 
which suggests, I think, that mind-wandering isn't just frequent, it's ubiquitous. It pervades basically everything that we do. Boom, yes, and there goes Matt Killingsworth, happiness researcher, and your host, Russ Shaw, sex researcher, right, or sexual uh, compulsive, be sexual addiction researcher, right, for the last 10 years. What I found really curious about this was that, you know, what he's talking about there with a wandering mind. And I've said that in the podcast before, right? Like that old saying, um, an idle mind is the devil's workshop, you know, that old saying. It seems like the wandering mind is the idle mind while we're doing other things. And what I found really fascinating about this is the graph that you didn't see because it was audio, right? But he shows this graph, and he talks about it a little at the end there, that 30% to 50% of the time our minds are wandering. Sex was the lowest on the list. It was at that 10% level, right? That, that At 10%... Of the time, having sex, our mind is wandering. Uh, I wonder if they did that. I would, I'd love to know the research between men and women on that one. But anyway, uh, one of the things that I, I, I found curious about it is, and I, and I don't have all the answers, but this is what I, I see here. And this is what I've been talking about on this podcast for years, is that cognitive dissonance right? Like we get bored with our lives or it feels mundane after a while. We don't. And this is why I think gratitude is so incredibly important Like that, you know, you can hate your job and feel like it's soul crushing or mundane until you meet someone who doesn't have a job, right? Like the old saying, I think it was Dale Carnegie that said, I was sad because I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. Right. Like there's something to being grateful for the life that we do have day by day that helps with that cognitive dissonance. What is cognitive dissonance? Basically, it's the uncomfortable feeling between two conflicting thoughts. And listen, because this is what I think that this research on happiness is pointing out here. The fact that sex, right, or or the fact that those of us who have habitual patterns of returning back to, right, feeling out of control in your sex life, acting out sexually, and why our minds tend to wander towards it is because it solves some of that cognitive dissonance feeling, right? That feeling that our mind is wandering and that we're feeling bogged down with our thoughts, with our own thought life, you know? So is that what we're doing when we go after those sexual thoughts or when those movies, those old porno movies or whatever are, are thrown into your mind and then you you right tend to take the ball and run with it and i talk about that in some of the earlier shows you know this this idea that it's sort of like letting a flame spread when we continue to let our minds wander on those thoughts and this is why mindfulness is so important it's cognitive behavioral therapy right and mindfulness ctb is is thousands of years old this is why i love the mystics right? The Christian mystics, Eastern religions or philosophies, which Christianity is, by the way, Eastern. It's only been Westernized since Constantine or whatever, because these guys would talk about living in the moment, 
being aware of the present moment. The present moment is so incredibly precious and important. It's, I thought, was it John Lennon? I forget who it was that said, uh, the life is the thing that's happening as we're making other plans, right? Our minds, we, we tend to future trip, as my friend Paul Young would say. If we could stop future tripping and just live in the moment day by day, doing what we're doing, being grateful for what we're doing while we're doing it, that is one of the biggest things to help bring those thoughts into a place where you just don't worry as much about the things that you thought were super important that were bogging us down. That's how I feel about porn now. It's like it's other people having sex. Why was I so incredibly, you know, drawn to watching videos of other people having sex? It's funny when you put it in that term, too. You know, I had a friend who was like, oh, I love watching pornography. What's wrong with porn? I go, so you love watching other people have sex? Like, there's kind of a voyeur thing going on there, right? And he's like, yeah, you put it like that, it's kind of weird, right? Instead of beating yourself up over it, watch your mind. Watch the way your mind works. Watch how it wanders, when it wanders, and start the practice of mindfulness, of meditation, of enjoying the moment while it's there. See, over the years, people have wanted, like, tell me what I need to do, the quick fix, the, you know, the thing, the discipline thing. How how do I stop this behavior? Tell me, tell me how. And this is one of those root first attitudes. All right. Being mindful of the present moment. It doesn't sound sexy. It's not some, you know, thing that you put into practice, like you're lifting weights or something like that. No, it's, it's spiritual. It's, it's being, it's being in the moment. It's not doing something. It's, it's being you in a, in a current moment. Like Jesus didn't teach behavior mod. This word discipleship has been so it seems grass is greener over there kind of thinking socially. And listen, it's okay to have mentors, right? But you are you. You are unique. Your spirit is different than anyone who has ever lived or will ever live, right? Your your essence is uniquely you and spiritually you. The Holy Spirit indwelt within you is unique and it can't be measured against someone else. I guess what we we do is this sort of grass is greener thing, right? If I could be that guy, that grass would be so much greener. Check this out. This is C6 Steve. He's an old blues guy. I love this. I got a bad case you see of the grass is always greener for me. Just around the man, yeah, just go that hill. The grass is always greener for me. Long as I'm moving well, I'm alright. Stand too long well, I'll get that staying fast. Just can't seem to catch my breath, just ain't fresh air you know, breathe. For those of you who know what I'm talking about, I see you down the road by that head, no doubt. We can tell them stories that nobody else believes. Ooh, 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 ooh,
C60. I found this guy on the blues channel on Spotify, just listening to crunchy, guitar-y old blues music. Talk about taking something compulsive or addictive or sad and turning it into creativity. That's the blues. Uh, That song isn't necessarily old, though. The guy, old. The song, (laughs) not so much. Uh, But it brings that to mind, right? This habitual kind of... The grass is always greener out there. This kind of not being able to catch your breath because we're so sort of sleepy in the present moment, right? We're not able to be right here. It says, you know, what's that out there? That's something really beneficial I've found about meditation and breathing, that my breathing in my body is kind of emotional. And I've seen my shortness of breath as tied to anxiety, And the more that I can do the simple exercise, even when things are tough, right, in life, and life is difficult, it's breathing, it's bringing it back down to in here is so important. That art of living in the present moment. See, this is getting to the roots of this behavior stuff, right? It's not a new program that you download on your smartphone. No, it's getting to the grassroots. This is not trying to manage your P's and Q's and be a good little Christian boy or girl. No, this is growing in godliness. This is breaking the habits by getting under them. One of the things I've learned that being a good person, putting that in quotes, is a byproduct. It's a side effect of something even way bigger, more intense, deeper, and radiant that's being stirred inside the human soul. That it's less about being a good person, right? It's more about being fully alive. Uh, This quote, St. Arrhenus said it, the the earliest that I could find. It's also been quoted by uh, John Eldridge and one of the popes. Anyway, rock star Christian authors and Roman Catholic hierarchy guys aside, (laughs) going to the earliest of this genesis of this quote, uh, I love this. The glory of God can be seen in a human being who is fully alive. And I love this because the science and some of this theology that's very, very old, pre-Roman Catholicism, right? Way pre-Protestant. This stirring of the soul. I'm becoming more and more convinced that people don't meet Jesus because Christians keep getting in the way. I think of some well-dressed person with a like a track in their hand, right? Going, have you met Jesus? And then Jesus is standing right behind them, right? Well, they're like a, like a basketball player, you know, blocking. And the great thing that I've seen is that the root of Jesus' teaching wasn't morality. Jesus talked more about consciousness. Those who have ears to hear and eyes to see. This is not the moral crossing guard that we've seen in the past, This is being alive in the moment, in each and every moment, each and every decision that's made. It's being alive and awake. A lot of Christian denominations and ways of thinking theologically have taken this word kingdom 
and has, you know, twisted it into being like you're part of some club, right? Like, I'm in the kingdom of God. I'm going to heaven. The heaven is the kingdom of God, right? Is that that list of stuff, you know, won't inherit the kingdom of God if, right? All those things are simply how we get out of balance. And kingdom living or being in the kingdom of God, right? What is it in the, the Lord's Prayer? hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's being in the moment. That's thinking on what's going on in the moment. Jesus would tell the Pharisees, right? The religious elites, he would tell them the kingdom is here. I brought the kingdom of God. It's right here in your midst. You know, it's not out there. It's not something you have to, you know, diligently just brain, you know, crunch on. It's 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 in the current moment. Um, another, so another good scripture on that is uh, on on being in the moment and not letting your mind wander. Is Ecclesiastes nine ten. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no activity or planning or knowledge or wisdom in shul, which is peace. It's this word for peace, right? Um, shalom comes, this, this word is centered in there, right? Um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, not, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient for the day, it has its own trouble. See, future tripping, right? There's Jesus telling us to, you know, be in the moment. Every single moment, there's a, there's a choices that are made. There's things that we can do to push our lives forward, to make move our stories forward to push back this feeling of meaninglessness, which I think is really behind all this mind-wandering, which leads us to unhappiness and addictive behaviors. I'm going to leave you with this couple of quotes here. Uh, It's a quote from uh, Amet Ray. If you want to conquer the anxiety of life, live in the moment, live in the breath, Life is dancing, miningless. Life is a dance. Mindfulness is witnessing that dance. I thought that was beautiful. And I'm going to leave the podcast right there. Be mindful this week in everything you're doing. Be alert. Other people are around you, right? Not that you're worried about what they think, but what can you do to give to them to, to do a better job, right? To love and appreciate the dance of life in the moment, being mindful. My name is Russ Shaw. Thanks for listening. Russ at ASI247.org if you'd like to send me an email. As this is an interactive show. I do read some of that stuff on here. I I respond and interact with listeners that makes its way into future podcasts. Although, also, there is a uh, 
a survey page, the ASI survey page. It's on the website, ASI247.org. We're going to lead this out with a little God smack. Some very appropriate bumper music. This song is called Awake. The wandering mind, this feeling of cognitive dissonance, this feeling that we keep being dragged to the thing that we don't want to do, right? Like a dog to its vomit. I think breaking that, I, I know breaking that, as I've seen it work in my own life, is being this awareness of being fully alive and awake in the moment. It's being aware. Is being grateful. And I'm still working on that. I, I haven't nailed that one down completely yet, alright? But hearing this research gets me excited because it's true that the more mindful we are, the more we live in the moment, the less concerned we are with worries and stresses and the thoughts of other people having sex. Alright? Love you guys. Till next time. Bye. Can't you see what this pain